1: Hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, February 9th, and I am pleased to be joined uh, once again by the former assistant general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Mr. Bill Waters. Uh, Good morning, Bill.
0: Good morning, Michael.
1: Bill, uh, the the Maple Leafs, at this point, you could say have had a fairly successful season, Uh, third place in the Atlantic Division, seemed to be guaranteed a playoff spot, 15 points ahead of teams like Florida, Montreal, and Detroit but uh probably not going to catch uh Boston or Tampa Bay for the first two spots in the division. Uh just as an overview, what have you, your thoughts been on the Leafs and how they've played so far?
0: Well, I, I think they've um, they've probably exceeded uh reasonable expectations. Uh they have found a goaltender that uh wins a lot of games for them, and that's all part of the team. I don't take that as a a team weakness. Uh, Their team speed and their movement of the puck is something that people uh, take particular notice of, and uh, if you've got a slow-footed team that's against you, it it becomes even more obvious. Uh, Since uh, Babcock uh, gave in and changed his fourth line uh, to provide it with more speed, That's been a different team in my estimation. He's been able to roll four lines more comfortably without worrying about there being a weakness on the fourth line from a speed standpoint. And uh, I think the Leafs have become very competitive uh, to the point that they're not going to have difficulty ascertaining where they're going this year because they're going to the first round and that's it. Uh, if you're going to be practical and reasonable about it, Boston is better, and so are Tampa Bay. And they're going to, in some way, shape, or form, load up because they both think that they can go to the Stanley Cup final, and justifiably so. So the Leafs, I I think the Leafs have done well. If 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 you dial back to what they're trying to accomplish, they're rebuilding a team that can win a Stanley Cup. The team that is now playing as well as they can within reason, uh, is not ready to win the Stanley Cup. You've got to be ready to win the Stanley Cup. You've got to have the right people in place with the right character and the right... Everything's got to be in the right the quarter, so to speak. And at this point, I think it's unreasonable to think that the Leafs could win the Stanley Cup. However, it is not unreasonable to hope that the the Leafs might
1: win the Stanley Cup. Well, there seems to be a, a little bit of a split, and then maybe that's being overly dramatic. But you know, in in covering the team and being in the building for every game, or all but two games this year, and and being at media availabilities the last week or so, uh, Mike Babcock has basically come out uh, after the morning skate and lobbied openly to the media. Uh, you know, through the media to GM Lou Lamorello to, you know, uh, basically, well, we, we we could use some help or, you know, we got to prove that we're good enough to, um, you know, get some help, meaning like if we're a contender, then that should justify uh, going out and adding players at the deadline. And I, I just get the impression from where the direction of the team is based on the, the management that they're not on the same page there, that they're They're probably closer to what you and I think, where this is still a a team developing and that there are pieces that they have on the roster right now that they potentially could sell before the deadline and that they're not convinced that this team is a fully formed contender.
0: Yeah, I I, I think that if if you look at how the chain of command works there, and and, uh, Brendan is the boss. And I think all people involved would would attest to that. And it's up to Brendan to make a decision on the team that he sees playing against the Ottawa Senators uh, this week and uh, going on to the Columbus Blue Jackets next. He has to decide whether this team, as it's presently structured, can advance beyond the first round. And if he comes to the conclusion that most hockey people would player for player, skill for skill, they can't. If the goaltender is unconscious, of course they can. But that can happen. So you almost have to eliminate the goaltender and make it a constant. But if Brendan decides that all they're doing is playing the first round to the best of their ability, and if they win, good for them. But we're not going to give up any of the players that are on that team now whose age is lower than 25 that's their future so my point is if they wanted to get somebody who could substantively help them immediately they have to get a defenseman who's big enough and strong enough to play in front of the net and add speed to the team as well as skill and that's going to cost them draft picks number one and a candidate off the team number two, and a prospect. It's going to be a, that's what they're trying to get for Nash, Rick Nash, yes. I'm thinking of. And that's too much. But anyway, that's what they, they demand. Rick Nash could not help the Maple Leafs. I think they need, they need to augment a young defense, to give them some playoff experience. I wouldn't go shopping for McDonough. But if McDonough is made available to me and I take his salary for next year, I, I, and I could find a formula that would not include one of my young prime candidates for development and for our ultimate goal, I would consider it. I don't think that's going to become a part of the marketplace. But if it did, I would do that. But I, I think Brendan has to establish with the people that make the hockey decisions as to whom how, who plays and make the hockey decision as to who goes, he has to tell them that we are trying to get to next year where we'll be more likely to advance beyond the first round. And that's not going to be easy. I mean, Boston's got a wonderful hockey team. There's no denying it. And so has Tampa. So that's going to be a constant problem. You've got to get yourself up into that stratosphere. And it's going to, it's going to require some significant moves, but not at the expense of giving up on candidates uh, to be players you'll need when you're ready to win the Stanley Cup. So maybe that's the wrong way to do it. But if you set out to do it, you should give it one more year. And then you just say, well, they haven't developed the way they should. They're not contributing to this team getting any better. I'm going to move them. But I think they all deserve another year, not making it a public issue, but just saying, hey, we're going to stand pat. We think we're good enough to win and see what happens. But I don't think that it's a wise move to try and, Give up a first-round pick and a player for Mike Green. I, I, you can't. You can't be giving up a first-round pick and a and a prospect for Mike Green. Uh, you, you have to get somebody that can contribute on both sides of the puck as a defenseman, and somebody who's got some balls.
1: Yeah, Mike. That's Mike. What they
0: need. They need some toughness.
1: Mike Green basically is the right-handed older version of Jake Gardner, and that's that to me, to my mind, that's the that's the last type of defenseman that they need. No, no, now switching to the defense because I thought I think Riley's had a, a a much better year than last year. Last year, you know, Babcock was using him mostly as a penalty killer, didn't give him a lot of power play time. I think he's grown with Ron Hainsey being sort of the stay-at-home guy on that pairing. Although I think I still think Ron Hainsey is not. Well suited for a top pairing role, but you can't you can't really uh, criticize how he's played. And uh, Zaitsev, even though he's interrupted by an injury, I think has played fairly well, but not not the not providing the offense they think they expected out of him. Gardner is the double-edged sword. You know, he has 13 assists in the last 10 games, but then if you watch the game on Wednesday, he made a couple giveaways that I mean I can just see in the playoffs just killing this team. Oh,
0: that's that, that's his that's his modus operandi. You know that
1: he's got a, he's got amazing offensive ability. It's just he cannot eliminate those brain cramps defensively. And in, I think in the end, I mean, he's been in the league for five or six years, so it hasn't killed him. But I think it's going to limit his his ability to uh, to get a, a big contract in a couple years when his when his current deal is up. Uh, but the, the, where I wanted to ask you the question was, the, uh, was Travis Dermott, who I, I've seen the last couple years with the Marlies and has come up and to my mind has played pretty well. But here's where Babcock comes in. I think he wants rookies to prove that they belong, and he's giving Dermott the opportunity. But when it comes down to it, Bill, last year when it came to the playoffs, he put Hunwick and Roman Pollock in the top four. I just don't think the trust level is there for Babcock with rookie, no. With rookie players.
0: No, I, I agree. I, I think that's, and that's why you can't give him any more excuses to take these young guys out of the lineup. He, he's got to go with what they gave him. And if Brendan wants to follow the game plan, that's Brendan's call. He's the boss. He's got to say, okay, we're going to do the best we can to advance in the playoffs but we are not giving up any futures for rental players. It's a fairly simple statement of fact. A lot of teams do it. A lot of teams don't. It all depends on what what you have to give up. You have to give up a draft pick in the third or fourth area, and you have two of each. That's, that's, that's where you can make something up. But you're not going to give up a player on your lineup. And, and if, if you want some defenseman that can help you, and you've made it clear that he can help you, you're going to have to give up the equivalent of a first round draft pick and a prospect. And that's far too much for a rental player. It, it's just, uh, it, it's not proper, and it's not the proper move for a young team in development. I, I just, uh, in, in light of what's ahead of them, either Boston or Tampa Bay, take your chances with what you got.
1: Yeah, and who's to say Boston or Tampa Bay isn't going to go? I mean, both, both organizations are stacked with young prospects. Um, you know, Don Sweeney yeah. in, a, in a in a in a couple years has turned around the Bruins pretty quickly. Um, there's there's talk of uh, both Tampa Bay and Boston being in on Ryan McDonough if McDonough is truly being shopped and they they have the young assets to do it and I know that Larry Brooks about a month ago came out and said well if the Leafs are interested in McDonough then a guy like William Nylander will be you know just fine and I'm like that's not happening Lou Lamorello is not trading Marner or Nylander for the defenseman that they obviously need I, I mean I, I first of all I think that deal is going to happen in the summer second of all those guys aren't going anywhere
0: No, not right now they're not. They're in consistency. They finally started to play a little bit like they did last year. But if you're going to protect a player and covet him as a future potential Stanley Cup winner, you can't have him playing half a season and scoring four goals. That's got to become a distant past for Marner and for Nylander. They just have shown absolutely no consistency of late. They're starting to. And Babcock's jockeying of Marner around Gauthier and Martin and/or Komarov does not help them.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and that and as you said earlier, that has stopped with the insertion of Kapanen on the fourth line. Now Marner is playing with with Marlow and Kadri. Now. L- l- I don't think there's going there to be much criticism of the way Austin Matthews has played. I mean, there's been a few growing pains, a couple games where I don't think he's played well. But all in all, he's having a, a really a really good season and appears to be a number one center and you know a cornerstone for the franchise for the next 10 to 15 years. But where I'm concerned about about the Leafs, Bill, is up the middle past Matthews. Where was Nazem Kadri for 20 games?
0: Conspicuous. By its length of disappearance and where he went, he must have, I think he must have gone on a Caribbean vacation. He was away for a long time. He scored one goal in 17 or 18 games. He got one point, one assist in 32 games. What happened? There has to be an explanation for that. He can't be your number two guy and take that time off. My, my theory, and you and I talked about it off air the other day, I think is going to center ice. And the sooner they get him there, the better. I know that the Pittsburgh Penguins want a third-line center. For me, Bozak is the penultimate third-line center. He's the best third-line center you can get. So you have to look at what a team like Pittsburgh is willing to pay. And is it if it's enough, take it. Now... You might wish you had Tyler Bozak on faceoffs in the uh, last five minutes of a playoff game, but you're going to have to you're going to have to pay those consequences. And well, if in fact it's enough. I mean, if it's if it's a fourth round pick in in 2022, it's not worth it. But Tyler Bozak, from watching him play, uh, and having watched him for the last five or six years, he can contribute significantly to a team like Pittsburgh. And if Pittsburgh's looking for someone, and they are, I don't think it's a well-kept secret. Uh, the, the Leafs should have Bozak out front, unless they've decided that they're not going to change the team, period. They'll take their chances on the UFAs leaving for nothing. That's not good management, but that's decisions that management make.
1: Well, I mean, and there's evidence regarding Nealander moving to the middle, maybe not... This year, I personally think that if they do trade Bozak, that what they'll do is a stopgap, even though Babcock doesn't want to play him up the middle, is that they would move Marlowe to the middle because he's experienced, and that would go along with what, uh, you know, if Babcock is on a yeah. mindset of, w- of winning now, then that's more consistent. But I, I, I do think you're right. I mean, they've been using Neilander on face as much as Matthews, I think Nealander is the right-hand shot, so he's taking on the the, the draws on the right side, and Matthews yeah. on the left. Yeah. So he's getting work, taking face-offs. He's a, he is a natural yeah. center. Uh, I mean, I think next year, you know, the answer to who their third-line center is going to be is probably Nazem Kadri, and Nealander will be the number two. But
0: that's a fair evaluation, Mike. Neilander two, and Kadri three. And, and as that group develops, that's a fairly solid center ice, assuming, assuming that the development of uh, Austin Matthews and William Nylander is consistent, consistent with growth, consistent with advanced skills, and not consistent with missing 30 to 40 days with no leave pass. I, I, I just find, I found that disconcerting in both Marner and Nylander's case and with uh, Nazem Kadri, it was right off the board. I had I had no answers. That, he reminded me of the way he played when Kessel was in town.
1: It was really stunning because he was on. I mean, not that I expected him to score 40 goals, but early in the year he was on a 40 goal pace. And okay, he's he's on. You know, he's going to probably match his 30 goals from last year, and then it just stopped. And it was from basically from December 1st to the middle of January where he did absolutely nothing. And there have been focal points of criticism from, from fans out there. One has been Roman Pollock because, you know, he's older and slow and they want to see some of the young guys on the blue line. But Babcock recognizes that you really don't have a lot of muscle on this blue line and a lot of players to clear the front of the net. And on the penalty kill and certain times on five-on-five, on five, I think they still need that type of player, and that's why I think he p- still plays Polak. What do you think?
0: Oh yeah, he, he doesn't have a player who can play in front of the net like Polak. Does. He doesn't have one. he is a you know he's he's close, but he, Polak. I, I'm not saying he's fearless, but he's close to it. He'll do anything to, to to give himself physical advantage without worrying about what might happen in the in the next thirty seconds. That's the that's the, the 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 bane of the maple leafs defensive existence is there isn't a defenseman outside of roman pollock that puts an ounce of fear in anybody anybody on the on the opposing side and they're all highly skilled they all move the puck well they can do those types of things but when they when they, the big forwards are out in front they're not worried they just take position and uh, that's what the game is now. All three forwards go to the front of the net and camp, and uh, the two point men stay out. And if a shot comes, the one I noticed in uh, uh, Nashville the other night, uh, if PK Subban uh, is shooting from the right point, uh, ekman Eckman is going for the uh, for the rebound, and just like just like in a pass, he comes in and at the he's at he's at the 20 foot mark, and there's a rebound. He smacks it in. If not, he makes a quick turn, goes back out. He's and, and it's, it's an interesting concept because if you've got smart defensemen, you can do that. It's the, the defenseman that goes in, stops, and he gets in part of the encampment. That's when you get an odd man advantage going the other way. But Nashville, never, it, never ha- it never happened to them.
1: Yeah, and if you look, if you look at those last two games, Bill, it, 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 I mean, they played a very experienced, very to use Mike Babcock's uh, vernacular, a very, very heavy team in Anaheim and they only won that game because the Leafs I think are a faster team and they sort of opened it up in the second period uh and in the third and then Nashville they only won that game because Frederick Anderson stood on his head I think Nashville manhandled them for mo- for most of the game um but they you know they I, they I agree yeah they survived and then they won in the shootout but that's what they're going to face against Tampa and against Boston in the playoffs and that's where and this is not a criticism, it, take, it takes a year or two or even longer to develop this, but right now the Leafs don't have heavy players playing in their top six forwards and top four defensemen, and maybe guys like Riley and Matthews and Nealander become heavier as they get older and more experienced, but as of right now, that's, that's a problem for them in the short term.
0: Yeah, they're, they're, those, they are not comfortable being heavy players. And so I I don't know how they're going to change. Like, that's what differentiates uh, the Morgan Rileys of the world from being a number one defenseman to being a perpetual number two or three. It's simply stated he's not comfortable with being physical, and he's a big, strong kid. And I don't know when that change occurs, if it occurs, how it occurs. But if it did occur, the Leafs would be a lot better team.
1: Now, the deadline is a little over two weeks away. You know right now, there seems to be a lot more sellers than there are buyers you know with the rangers coming out in the in the last twenty four hours and saying you know they 're basically going to sell off, but you know we don 't know how extensive that sell off will be, whether it 'll just be the u f a s or whether guys like McDonough and Zuccarello will get moved as well. but where do you see the leaps i mean i like I think that as much as I think it would be a prudent move to move JBR, to move Bozak, and to go with the kids, I see essentially them maybe making a tinkering move for a depth defenseman, maybe a fourth-line center. They repeat the same thing they did with Brian Boyle last year, which I think was a pretty stupid move because they gave up a second-round pick for a guy who had three assists. Um, but what do you yeah. think they'll do as opposed to what you think they should do?
0: If they were going to alter the plan and say to themselves, we're ready to win, we need Player X, Player X would have to be a top-two defenseman. And where are you going to get that at the trade deadline? The only way you're going to get it is if you suck up a lot of salary, which the Leafs can at this point, but they can't two or three years down the road. So I, I think they're going to tinker. Going to be Shanahan that makes that decision, because as you know, uh, and I remember Pat Burns used to say to me, Willie, if you and Cliff aren't happy with me not playing the kids, he said, get rid of the old guys, because coaches have a hard time insulting a ten-year veteran, and it 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 it, it permeates the team. So if you if you're going to go with the kids, you better get rid of the guys that are over thirty. And at this point, that's counterproductive for the Leafs. I I don't think you get rid of Komarov just because he's over 30. You play Komarov on the fourth line, let him kill penalties, and give him 15 to 18 minutes a game. I don't care how he gets it. He doesn't hurt you while he's got it. And the same with Hainsey. Hainsey has been utilized perfectly by Babcock. And to your point, maybe he's a, a pairing too high. I don't know. But I know one thing. He kills more penalties and he sucks up more penalty time than anybody in the league. That's a valuable commodity. So you don't get rid of him just because he does. He doesn't suit an age requirement. And I, I don't see them getting a one or two defensemen. I don't see them giving up any of their prospects for whomever they're in the market for. And if they do at this point in the season, I say shame on you because you failed to recognize that the Boston Bruins and the Tampa Bay Lightning are teams that are better than you, more experienced than you, and better ready to advance in the playoffs than the Leafs are. They've all got good goaltending, all three of them. The Leafs' defense doesn't compare to Boston's or Tampa's. Their forwards are young kids. They don't have the Stamkos and the Kucherov, the five-year guys that have proven themselves. They, they've Tampa's got it. And so has Boston. If Leafs had a Bergeron instead of a uh, uh, Nazem Kadri, we'd have a different race. But we don't. So there's no sense of talking about that. But it's not time for the Leafs to prepare for extra rounds in the playoffs. And as everyone knows, after that first round, there's a lot of teams that never thought they would get through. And the Leafs might be one of them. They might just be... On their game at the time they're in the first round against the Bruins and or Tampa Bay Lightning in game seven, Babcock coaching, I can see it being 0-0 when somebody gets a goal with about five, five minutes to go, all of a sudden the Leafs are in the second round. But you don't hinder your long-term plan by thinking you can do that. This has to evolve
1: and Boston is the hottest team in the league right now and who's to say that they're not going to be that they're going to be that hot going into mid-April and injuries
0: yeah, I, yeah but injuries you give of... me a reason why they won't be they've oh, got can. guys on the US Olympic team that kid uh, Donato he can come back and play for the Bruins tomorrow
1: yeah, I, I can't. And, I mean, they're and, they're they're, they, they, they're, inc- they're incredibly deep, and and so is Tampa Bay. I was just going to say with Tampa, the thing that's plagued them the last couple of years has been injuries. Stamkos and Hedman got hurt, but I mean they're absolutely yeah. loaded. So I mean I don't think right now, even if the Leafs made a blockbuster deal and got Eric Carlson or Oliver Ekman, Larson larsson they would be up to the level of the Bruins and Tampa right now. It's it's going to take them a year or two to catch up to those teams.
0: You're right, Mike. It it. The the game plan, I'll never forget Jimmy DeVolano when he first took over from the Red Wings, and they were having a little bit of a spurt after their second season. And Jimmy was on TV uh, in between periods. Well, what's your win? How long do you think it'll take for you to win a Stanley Cup, Jim? Jimmy says, well, he said, "Uh, about 10 years. Well, Dave Hodge, who was doing the interview, almost fainted. (laughs) Yet he said, 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. You know how long it took? Mike, 12 years. <laughs> so that's, you, you know, you get excited about how well you're doing, but you, you have to keep in perspective. Somebody said, I'd like to make my team just like the Pittsburgh Penguins. And the guy he said it to turned to me and said, does he realize there's only one Malkin and one Crosby?
1: Yeah, that's, see, that's that's the so, argument. You know, there's,
0: there's reasons for teams being advanced and teams being able to win with certain – certain style of players. You just can't build your team that way unless yeah. you, you go to the bottom and get Crosby and Malkin, both Malkin number two pick behind Ovechkin, but that was Washington's problem, and they've had to live with it.
1: Yeah, that that's the argument that's been, that was made last year. Well, a team can win a can win a, a Stanley Cup without a number one defenseman. And, and I, my my retort was, yeah, the team that has Crosby and Malkin, they can get away with playing Ron Hainsey on the top pairing. Yeah, yeah. If you don't and, and you play don't...
0: A, and play a different style. Yeah. And, and and if you watch the Penguins, they had the first two lines that went out there. There's always a chance to score, and they had a third line with the same way. And that's what they want to have this. Year. And they'd roll four lines, and Matt Cullen was arguably the third centerman, third-ranked 3rd centerman. But he was playing in the fourth hole. That's how deep they were at center. And that's what they've got to get back to if they're going to have a chance to repeat.
1: Last question, Bill. Uh, the Olympics open in Pyeongchang today, and the the hockey tournament is, I mean, if it was NHL players there, I think it would be appointment tele- television for everyone but they're not there do you plan or are you going to watch any of the Olympic hockey
0: I will probably watch the US play Russia I'll watch and I'm in Florida so I have a uh, I won't get as many Canada games but uh, whenever Canada's on I'd like to see them but I I, I think that the Russian team uh, because of the KHL and the players that are available to them have a more talented team but they've always had that Wherever they've played, and they've been unable to win. The only advantage they have this year is they don't have Ovechkin, so they got a chance to win. And I think they're the more talented team. So I I I don't see uh, it being anything other than the U.S., Russia, and Sweden. Maybe yeah, Sweden Sweden could put together a team that would check you into the ice and might win it. But those are the three top teams as I see it.
1: I actually think Canada is better than the U.S. The U.S. has nobody in goal, and at least, at least, you know, Canada has guys with NHL experience like Scribbins and Kevin Poulin and Justin Peters. The the U.S. Yeah. doesn't have anybody in net, and I think that Canada, they chose players that at least have an NHL pedigree, so they'll be they won't be they won't be embarrassing. But to me, the this the term, yeah. the yeah. tournament is embarrassing. I, I think it's going to
0: be embarrassing. I was disappointed myself. I forgot that the Olympics was on.
1: <laughs> I,
0: I, wow. I went back to my 7:32, uh, my cable channel for NBC Sports, and and uh, there they were. I, I I am not totally disinterested because that's not fair to the the great young athletes that are participating. But without hockey, there, it's taken a lot of my put a lot of my time into other areas.
1: Well, Bill, once again, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll. Be, we'll definitely want to have you on after the deadline to analyze what the Leafs did or didn't do. Um, ha- I hope you have a good weekend.
0: Yeah, i keep the tapes, Mike, because if I'm wrong, I want to be—I want to be embarrassed. Because <laughs> there'll be a show in wh- how wrong I was, Mike. If I'm wrong, I'm going to be really wrong.
1: <laughs> we'll do. I'll so
0: I'll—I'll I'll, I'll tr- I'll trust you to keep the tapes.
1: Definitely, I will. I will do that uh, for Bill Waters. I'm Michael Ajello. Thanks for listening.